Wonderful, guys. Great to see you. Lots of faces uh, that I've seen for the first time this morning. It is great to see the Finklemperers here, from all the way from Cape Town. And, um, and then I saw the Creamers were here as well. They're normally at the Rock. Fantastic to see you guys. Bless you. Loved you. They were in Glenridge for many years. And uh, it really is good to see a whole bunch of new faces. My challenge to those new faces, come back not next week, the week after. <laughs> not next week. Next week you're on your own here. But the week after, lots of love, more coffee, it's all happening. Anyway, we're in a series called He Is. And uh, we kind of started it last week, actually the week before. Lefefe did He Is Family, I did He Is Salvation the week before that. And those cards on your, on your chairs are for anybody that you, you would love to see saved over the season. And uh, when I spoke about salvation, I spoke about salvation is not just about spiritual connection with God or a reconciled relation with God, but actually salvation in the scriptures means, means healed, delivered, freed up. Um, it's kind of the big word that encompasses everything that we ultimately get in the new heavens and new earth with Jesus when he returns. So... If you are really trusting God for some severe illness or you're trusting God for some people to get saved, just write it on those cards. We'll have a basket up here for you to pop it in. And what we're doing as an eldership team is we're taking those cards and we literally just divide it up between the elders and we're just praying, we're just praying through them and trusting God that those names or those requests on there, God would meet you in a powerful way. So please do do that and uh, we'd love to continue to pray for more people. But... Um, so he is, this morning I want to talk about he is hope. The, the newborn king arrived in Bethlehem and he ushered in a new era of hope. For thousands of years the nation was hoping and trusting for a Messiah that would save them, deliver them, bring salvation to them. And uh, on that day he came in a form that nobody expected, a helpless child that would grow and learn as a human being into the king of all things. And his name was Jesus Christ. His surname was not Christ. Jesus was his name. But Christ was his function or his, his, it was called Messiah or the anointed one. He would be the one that would set everything right again. And so I want to talk about hope. I want to start in Isaiah chapter 9 and then go to 1 Peter 1. Verse 3, hope. We're in a season, I don't know if you, if you have any of these moments, or maybe it's just me like Nick, it's only things happen to him. Nick, I think you can give the bottom five shirts away, seeing you being so, um, so magnanimous about your things. So just, Dan, will you make sure he gives away five shirts? Thanks. Wonderful. Fantastic. So, Isaiah chapter 9. So this is a wonderful text that often gets preached at, in, at uh, these kinds of moments, uh, Christmas days. And um, it talks about a son being given. So let's, let's just read this. The context of this, the, 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 the nation of Israel is split in between Israel and Judah. They're actually all one nation still, but they're kind of split into two. And God has been speaking through Isaiah up until this point, and it is all doom and gloom. There is nothing that can save them. They are turning away from God. There's all sorts of stuff happening, and it is looking pretty bleak and dark. And then Isaiah 9 comes and gets written, and this is what it says in verse 1. 
Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. This is beautiful. So Jesus comes. He is born in Bethlehem. He grows up in Nazareth, and he ministers in Capernaum. So all of those regions there are the moments that it's significant that Jesus ministers in the north, in Nazareth and Capernaum. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is the hope that's starting to come through Isaiah to God's people. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Now he's speaking to God. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. There's a great joy coming. It's like harvest time. We get, the harvest is coming. We've got another year of provision. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Another expression of joy. The, a great victory has been won and the plunder is coming back into the nation. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. As in the day of Midian's defeat, that's the story in Judges chapter 6 and 7 of Gideon, where there was this great victory against all odds. There was this great salvation moment where the Midianites were, out, were, out, were outnumbering the Israelites by huge numbers. And Gideon gathers an army of 32,000 and God strips it down to 300. And he says, listen, I never ever want you to boast that this was ever your victory. This is going to, it's going to be clearly my victory. Bring it down to 300. And they, and they overcome an army of hundreds of thousands. This is the great picture in the day of Midian's defeat when the yoke was shattered and the burden and the rod of the oppressor was broken. This is this great hope that has been promised. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be used for burning, will be the fuel for the fire. The victory is so overwhelming and so complete, you will take their very boots. This army will never, ever march again. You will take their boots and it will be fuel for the fire to warm yourself. It's an overwhelming victory that he's talking about. Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, all ruling and reigning will be on his shoulders, he'll be responsible for things going forward, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It is an ever-increasing, ever-enlarging, ever-moving-forward government of peace that is coming to you. Isaiah is giving them hope in the midst of darkness. And he gives us hope in the midst of darkness right now today. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on forever... The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, this is the promise of hope. 700 years later, Jesus Christ comes. This is why I want to talk about hope, because hope is not optimism. We're not optimistic because of Jesus. 
We are hopeful because of Jesus. So today what I want to do is I want to look at what it means, what this word means, hope. I don't know if you like me, but every maybe two, my wife will probably tell you more, but two or three days a year, I have a moment where I literally just melt down at, what, at what's happening in this country. I think actually there is no hope. Stage eight is looming, water's not running, sewage in the streets. And I'm thinking, oh God, the promises over this na nation is rainbow. The promises over this nation is your power. There's meant, to be a, there's meant to be a great revival breaking out the prophetic words from South Africa going into Africa. Lord, how can it be in the midst of this? And every now and again, I have a moment where I actually just have got to find hope again. For what we've gone through as a, as a province, through flooding and looting and all sorts of things, there's, a, there's an overwhelming sense of hopelessness developing in KZN. But I want to tell you today, a we celebrate a child being born that is the hope of all hopes. And I want to leave, I want you, I'm trusting that you will leave this place this morning with hope in your heart. There's two Old Testament words that are translated hope. One, one is called yachal. In essence, it means to wait for. There's another word, kavah. Also means to wait in expectation. And every, most of the time when it's used, it's used of people waiting on God. You see, our hope is different to optimism. Biblical hope is about waiting for God to act. And crying out to Him and saying, God, why, Lord? Crying up to saying to Him, say, why, how, how much longer, Lord? I can't bear this, Lord. But with hope in your heart, to eventually you come out of those moments of helplessness and you see, actually, no, God's got this. And you're filled with courage again. Psalm 130 says this, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. That is the word, that's one of those two words. So often the word hope is translated hope or wait. It gives you an idea of what this word hope means in biblical language. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. Those are the two different kinds, those are both those words used in one verse. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning, I wait for the Lord. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is, is unfailing, well, with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from their sins. So he's saying, wait on the Lord, hope in the Lord. It's coming. The redemption is in him. Rescue is in him. Salvation is in him. Unfailing love is in him. Don't take your eyes off of him, no matter what the circumstances, Israel. David is saying to the people. Psalm 39 verse 7 says this, But now, Lord, again, the two words are used in one verse. But now, Lord, what do I look for? The NIV says. But it's the same kavah word, which could mean, what do I wait for? My hope is in you, the other word. So what the, 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 the Old Testament saints understood this thing of hope. And what the prophets used to do is they would come to Israel and give them hope again when things are going bad. 
or when they were in exile. They'd come and breathe hope over their lives. Because, friends, human beings can't function without hope. If you lose hope, there's no point in living. Without hope, life is unbearable. You feel like you're a pawn being tossed around instead of serving a God who's got this. And my favorite story about hope, and I'm rereading his book again, The Meaning of Life, is Viktor Frankl, who was a man that was in the... He was a, he's a psychiatrist, Austrian psychiatrist, who was taken into the concentration camps for two or three years. And he realized this. It wasn't the fit and the strong that survived the concentration camps because when you've had no food and no nourishment and you've been working and the cold is getting to you, eventually everybody ends up the same size, skinny. The ones that, the ones that survived the concentration camps, he calls it simple hope. They were those that found a simple meaning in life outside of their circumstances. He was a psychiatrist and so what he did, and on, on his way to the, remember he lost his parents and his wife into the concentration camp. He lost everybody. You see, what the concentration camps did, it concentrated the loss into a year or two that you would have over a lifetime. People had no family, they had no protection, they had very little food, they didn't even have a name, they had a number. They were stripped of absolutely everything and most lost hope. But those that survived had a hope beyond this moment. And for him, as a psychiatrist, he lost all he, he was writing a big thesis, a big book, and he was stripped of it. They took it away from him. And then he got very sick and he started writing these notes again on bits of paper he was scrounging. See, for him, his hope was, I need to, I need to document this. I need to, I need to teach people about this moment. We can learn something from this. He had hope. He had meaning. Hope and meaning are very closely linked. He said this, famously said this, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds hope. You see, when you're suffering, when you're under pressure, without hope you crumble. But with hope you grow. And this is what happened in his findings in the concentration camp. So hope, friends, is a very phenomenal thing. And he says, he says this. What happens is when people lose hope, they act in two ways. You either become animalistic, you kill each other, or you become zombies, you move into an apathetic kind of just denial and acceptance. And in the concentration camp, he, camps, he saw big, burly men either become animals or zombies. And those that survived, survived with hope. If we lose hope, friends, especially in this nation, animals or zombies, God wants us to be sons and daughters, not animals or zombies. You see, hope is different from optimism because biblical hope is not based on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible recognize that there is no evidence that things will get better. 
You see, optimism finds, kind of you choose to see a situation and how circumstances could possibly work to, to make it better. But often biblical hope, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. You see, optimism is based on the odds, but hope is based on the choice to wait for God to bring about a future. You see, hope has got to do with Jesus. It's got to do with God and His plans and promises and the story that we are part of. You see, biblical hope, friends, is a person. His name is Jesus. We can have hope wherever we are in whatever situation we are in because we know Jesus. I'm going to get to that now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I can get my Bible to turn there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Straight away, you see the living hope is not based on our resurrection, it's based on Jesus' resurrection. And you're born into this. You see, Jesus is so life-transforming, the Bible says, it's like you've become born again, but with a new source and new start. That's how powerful Jesus is, the resurrection of Jesus is. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you will greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love that text. That text tells us a lot about hope. First thing it tells us is this. Hope is an inheritance. It's an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us. You see, friends, for us to have biblical hope, it's got to be beyond this world. The hope that we have is securely seated in heaven. It's in a different realm to this. It's in a realm where God has all authority and all, all rule and reign is His and it's perfectly protected for us. It's kept in heaven for us. It cannot be taken from you. Friends, if you put your hope in anything else, like those guys in the concentration camp did, ultimately, something will take it from you. What is your hope in? What is your hope in? You see, it's kept in heaven for us, but faith accesses it. Faith and hope are a little bit different. We'll talk about that now. You see, in this process of our inheritance being in heaven, our faith on earth will be tested. 
Our faith will always be tested, friends. That's how we grow. We don't grow. There's no comfort in growth. The way we grow as human beings is through fire. A little bit of heat. Suddenly, either we grow or we give up. In Christ, we have strength to grow. So your faith will always be tested, but the inheritance is always secure. Your hope is always secure. We'll suffer all kinds of trials, he says, but ultimately it will end with inexpressible joy if we can hold our heads. Friends, if you do not have hope in the big story that God is telling and in Jesus and all he has, see, friends, hope is not, hope is not some trifling moment that we have now. Hope is an extension. Ultimately, we hope for one day when Jesus returns to have a new heaven and a new earth. And then we bring it back. We hope that God will change things. We hope that God will intervene. But if he doesn't, my hope is still in him. You see, what, what faith does, friends, and can I just say this, your faith will be tested, but it will be destroyed unless you have hope. If you do not have hope, your faith will crumble. And what he's trying to say in 1 Peter is he says your, your hope is intact. Let God grow your faith so that your faith and your hope can start to connect and start to be, become something that will minister to the world. And this is, as I've been kind of unpacking this and studying this, I've realized this. Hope is up there, and I'm saying up. You know, heaven is not up there. Heaven is everywhere. It's just in a different realm. But, but we kind of in our minds have up there. God's up there. we down here. But hope is up there, faith is in here. So you put your faith in Jesus because Jesus is the story of hope. You put your, your faith grows and you trust God, your confident, resilient trust in God grows because your hope is secure. Not only where you'll end up, but actually God is moving and God is bringing things. God, under his providence, is moving things towards an end. We just happen to be born in this time. Right through history, people have asked the same question. In fact, we are living in the time where people are most prosperous and most equal ever in history, from a socioeconomic before, uh, uh, revelation. We're living in the best of times, but still it's tough. See, hope, faith, Hebrews 11 says this. Faith is confident, is confidence in what we hope for. Now, this is the difference between faith and hope. Faith is the confidence in that inheritance. And it's certain of what we do. We do not see our hope yet. We do not see it, but we have faith. We grow in our faith to keep accessing that hope all the time. And we never drop our hope. Our hope is secure. It's just our faith that moves in and out of reality and sequence with our own lives and trust in God and all those things. And what happens, Peter says, is that the suffering will melt you so that your faith, which is more, of greater value than pure gold, will become a reality so that you can tap into the hope that is yours in Christ. The inheritance that is yours. Hosea says this, 
verse 15, or actually verse 14, Hosea 2, Hosea 2 verse 14 says this, Therefore I'm now going to allure her, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her, talking about Israel. I'm going to take her into the wilderness, into, into exile, take her into barrenness and hardship. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. You see, friends, the empty tomb is a door of hope. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, our hope is secure. Our faith, our faith may falter, but our hope is secure. Don't lose hope. We, actually, what we need is not more faith, it's more hope. Without hope, friends, very difficult to have faith. The next thing I want to say about hope is this. Number one, it's an inheritance. Number two, hope is rooted in the story of God. Hope started to, there was absolute despair in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve gave away everything God gave, him, gave them. Since then, God is rebuilding hope in the story of redeeming and bringing back and reconciling and bringing back that was meant to be. You see, hope is not here, friends. It's not in South Africa's story. Hope is not in this world's story. Our hope is in God's story. He works in millennia. He doesn't work in hours and days. Don't lose hope. The story that God is telling and our, is what we put our hope in. Our hope are in the promises and the plans and the providence and the purposes of God, friends. It's not hope here. Here you will not see anything to give you hope. But there you see everything that you need to get hope. And what we've got to do, friends, is find our meaning. And if you're here for the first time and you don't know what I'm talking about because it's Jesus stuff and it's maybe using language you don't understand, I'm sorry. But your meaning is found when you put your life in that big story. You take your life out of earth's story and you put yourself in God's story and allow him to use you to alter this story and to prosper in this story. It doesn't mean you're going to get rich. It means that you're going to have peace and contentment and love and joy in your life. Hope comes from God's story. We find our meaning in that story. Friends, if you get your meaning from this world, from social media, from governments and politics and conspiracy theories, you'll lose your hope. I've got to be, I mean, eventually I took myself off of Twitter. Too toxic. I lose my hope when I look at that. It's so important, friends, we don't lose hope. One of the things that you lose when you stop being with God I mean spending time with God. I'm not talking about spending half a day with Him. I mean just spending some time with Him during the day. 15 minutes. Where you just come back to Him. One of the first things that goes, friends, is hope. Without hope, you've got no meaning. Number three, hope is based on faithfulness. And the character of God in that story. See, we find hope by looking back. Looking back at the faithfulness of God with others, and we look back at the faithfulness of God with us. Friends, I want to say to you, 
We've got to find hope in Christmas. When we take Jesus, when we take Christ out of Christmas, there's no hope. When we have Xmas, no hope. When we have Christ Mass, hope floods back again. Hope means waiting for God. This is so huge in the realm of hope. Hope means waiting for God. Hope means not making it Ishmael and taking it into your own hands. Hope means waiting for God. Because you're so convinced that God will move. You know that all creation is groaning, waiting, hoping for the sons of God to be revealed so that they'll be liberated from their bondage and decay. Even creation itself is waiting for God to reveal himself. Romans chapter 6, 11 says, if you want to inherit the promises of God, it's faith and patience. Friends, without patience, hope falters. The very definition of hope is to wait for God. Let's learn to wait for God as we remember Jesus. Remember, on this day, all of Israel was waiting in expectation, hoping for their Messiah to come. And lastly, our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, putting your faith in Jesus unlocks a living hope. As I said earlier, friends, putting your faith in Jesus is so transforming. It's like you've been born again, Jesus says. It's, it, it, it recreates you in such and reorientates you and re gives you a new world view that's got hope in it. Now you can build your faith so that you connect with that hope and absolute reality. Zechariah says that we are prisoners of hope. Christmas is reminding us that those in Christ, you are prisoners of hope. Colossians 1 verse 27 says this, Make known the glorious riches of this mystery, this gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the gospel is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Of glory. That glory in heaven would come to earth in me. Friends, I want to remind you that today signifies an amazing day of hope. Don't take Christ out of your day. Don't take Christ out of Christmas because we cannot live without hope. And the only sure and secure hope that we have is that Jesus is raised from the dead. I end with this. Leslie Newbegin, I love this, I quote this all the time, was asked, he was a missionary to India for 35 years. He was asked this, he said, Leslie, now that you're going back to the UK, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the work in India? He said this famously. He said, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Today, friends, don't try to be optimistic. Don't be pessimistic. But put your faith and your trust in the resurrection of Jesus, 
which secures for us an eternal hope, an eternal inheritance in heaven. Father, I pray that you would fill us with hope, Lord. I pray today would be a day of hope. I pray every person walking out of this building, Lord God, no matter what their circumstances, it might be sickness, it might be joblessness, it might be relational, whatever it might be, I pray, Jesus, that we would put our faith in you, that you would restore our hope again. Restore hope this morning, I pray in Jesus' name, for every single person here, Lord. Amen. Bless you guys.